Welcome to Chronic Curiosity, where we have real conversations with real people, from everything to anything, in attempts to facilitate dialogue with our fellow humans, and hopefully your curiosity as well as ours. If you can withstand the show, we ask, most importantly, that you tell your friends and family, but also, you can pick up some merch, or just donate to the show at chronic-curiosity.com in USD or Bitcoin. If you feel so obliged, you can give us a good rating and follow on whatever podcast platform you so choose. But please feel free to reach out to us on the website or the socials, which can also be found on the website, chronic-curiosity.com. And here we go. Do we get service, cell phone service down here? Uh, not really, but we can. Uh, I can get you the the Wi-Fi or anything if you if you need. I broke my phone this morning at Aldi's. Oh no! Yeah, one drop smoked it. So Kara gave me her phone just in case. Oh okay. You know, cause, since she could like literally comment. Oh, that's day. right. <laughs> yeah, she's waiting. Yeah. Were so- you guys trick or treating in Smithville yesterday? Yeah. Okay, was she wearing a pumpkin shirt? Yes. I, I was like, I'm pretty sure. So I've met her once. Uh-huh. But I was like, I'm pretty sure I saw Kara. She was wearing a pumpkin shirt. She's due soon, right? And Fred's like, yeah. And I'm like, okay. Because I just saw her a couple weeks ago, and it was like progressively popped. Like, she is yes. ready to go. Yeah. Yeah. She I think looks she's adorable, though. due on the 10th. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I remember he was like, "Well, he's like, we could, we can, we maybe make this work, you know, if if she doesn't go early." And I'm like, "Okay, (laughs) well, we'll see if we can do it." Right? She wasn't waddling though. She was walking normally. Like she looked good. Like normally, you're at the end, and it's like you're waddling and you're miserable. She didn't look miserable, so I was like, "That's promising." I'm sure he'll show up tomorrow. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. She's got practice. Oh yeah. Is this your Um, third or fourth? Fourth. fourth. She's got practice. Boy, you guys know what you're doing. Yeah. Um. So you pulled the Wi-Fi up. Yeah. So this is the password for the that tube. Yeah, we don't want him to. We can't he can't miss the birth of a child? <laughs> but we can't do that. Yeah. So I've I've been. I know we talked about this. What's that? You just, you just talk. You should, well. Tony's not here to remind you rudely to introduce. <laughs> yeah. No, I mean, uh, see, it just feels it, the whole introducing somebody. It feels so. I get it, Tony. <sighs> I, I know, I know. It feel it just feels so rigid. Like, oh, and today <laughs> we're talking to Aaron Phillips. He is a local taxidermist, and he. Apparently likes to have children because <laughs> he's he's coming up on his fourth one literally any second. Right. There, is that a good enough introduction? <laughs> <laughs> no, uh, you know, so we I know we talked about this a while ago. Yeah. Uh, you, we yeah. wanted to sit down and talk sit down and talk, and obviously, um and I was thinking about this that through your your schedule has to be you, you have to be like preparing at this point, right? To like get into like I'm about to be hammered for the rest yes. of like, and like Everything is going to be just deer hides and skulls yep. for the next, like, what, six months or something? I don't know how yeah, long it takes. At least that. three months. Three months. Like, so Of getting stuff in. Yeah. So that's, um, I, 
we wanted to talk and it's the perfect time of season. Tis yep. the season uh, for is. hunters to be jolly. Yep. Um, do you get any time to actually go hunt? Like, or do you try to get the early season? Now on? I could, but I have three kids, so it makes it a little difficult. It's the kids that <laughs> makes it hard. Being full time now, I mean, I can go out on Saturdays or during the week if I wanted to. But right. Yeah, and I'm not so crazy busy like some guys I know. They take in so much work. They have it's seven days a week for them. But I don't want to do that. I don't want to have my passion and like my dream career turn into a person either. <laughs> right. That's a hard I, I've Some people I've, I've seen it happen and they're like, well, I, I never can do anything. I'm like, well, that's not why I started my own business. <laughs> right. For sure. You pull that thing a little, just let it hover a little closer to you. There you go. Right there. <laughs> yeah, you're good. Um, So you've have, I guess if you could talk a little bit about that, like, so you've gone full time yeah. doing taxidermy. Yep. And there's, a, there's, a, I have so many questions that are rolling around my head. Um, some of them about taxidermy and some not, um, but like, how, how did you get to that point where it was like, look, like this is, this is what I want to do. Like, and I'm going to make that leap to go full time with it. So when I, like the first day I walked into a taxidermy shop as a apprentice, basically. So you knew it was something was like, you wanted. To- yeah. I was like, I want to do this. And then 15 years later, it happened. But, like, in between that time, um, there was... So, the guy I was apprenticing for, I was going to buy his business, and that just went totally south. Like, it was a bad deal. I was, like, eight... I was still in high school. And... So, I don't know if this guy will ever hear this podcast, but I don't really care either. (laughs) So... He knew my dad passed away, so I was getting Social Security, and I uh, I wanted to, I approached him because I knew he was a taxidermist, and um, so he kind of, I asked if he'd just, like, show me, or, like, can I just hang out in your shop one day, and then, like, a couple weeks go by, and then, like, he's like, yeah, why don't you come in, and he was like, you can apprentice for me, and then I was like, I had to pay him, which... I kind of get some apprenticeships work that way. And then it turned into like, he was like, well, why don't you just buy my business? This guy also owned a hunting store that should have been phenomenal in Defiant or Williams County. Okay. So there was like no archery shop, archery shops, no hunting stores up around there other than Cabela's in Toledo. Right. So like this there's place. nothing out that way. No. Towards Toledo until you get to Toledo. Right. There's nothing. And this was like on the turnpike. So this place like should have oh, been yeah. a gold mine because I mean there's nothing there, and uh, so I start working for him, and then he's like, "Will you pay me like so much a month, and then I'll pay you back for the work you did?" Well, it turned into I never saw any money oh, for like six months, and then if I did, it'd be like a hundred dollars here. Next thing you know, is his uh, hunting store goes out of business, he oh. goes bankrupt, and then he's going to try to sell me this business that maybe had (laughs) that maybe had like 10 grand worth of work for like a hundred thousand dollars and he was trying to say he was good at bankrupt business yeah yeah (laughs) he was good at talking that was about Uh, it right yeah yeah one of those guys trying to take advantage of yeah he was just very good at talking to people yeah what was he what was he doing all his money was he like one of those people you hear like ends up being like a compulsive gambler or something like that like and he just like wasted it all away he went on hunting trips 
Oh, uh, so he just with other people's money, basically. Oh, yeah. he's like one of those New York Stock Exchange guys that right. just like swindle people out of their yeah. money, except it's yep. hunting trips and stuff. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> their portfolios and retirement money. Yeah. Oh, damn. Yeah. Some of it. <laughs> right. So that went south, and then, um, so I quit working there, like in, been like April or something, my senior year, and then. I didn't really do anything for a while. Um, graduated then. And I used all my graduation money to buy my own supplies and then set up a little shop. And my parents, or my mom used to be Amish and we lived at, she lives where her uh, parents live. So we had the, this little shop called the Buggy Shed. That's where they kept the buggy. So I turned that into my little taxidermy studio for a little bit and then worked out of that and just kept practicing for quite a few years and then uh i met Kara in college and moved to wayne county that's when i started taking it more seriously like i'm gonna turn this into my career yeah Yeah. i mean so you started out i mean i i can i can appreciate that i um not that i followed through nearly with uh oh with your tenacity but um I started making knives around mm-hmm. the same time and it was like, Oh, this is really cool. I never like necessarily turned it into a, I attempted to turn it into a business at one point, but, um, so you started out, you said your, your mom used to be Amish. So did they, yeah. did she leave the Amish community and then kept the property? How, like that's, that seems, that's the super whole, fascinating. Um, so like, so how did you grow up? Like in that, obviously the, the taxidermy and the hunting and all those things make sense. But how, how was your, most of the people like, or most of my family on that, like on my mom's side left the Amish church. There's a few cousins left in like Indiana and a couple in Michigan that are still Amish, okay. but like all her brothers and sisters, all her other cousins that lived right around the corner, like they all left the church when they were in their teens, basically. Okay. Yeah. So- so you had a, a buggy shop with no buggies in it that yeah, you turned into yeah. a taxidermy shop. Right. That's yeah. super awesome, especially yeah. at that age. Right. You, so you, you had it in your blood early, obviously. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so what? So you went through college. You decided at what? What was the? What was the factor? What was the point where you're like, yeah, I want to. This is what I want to do because it's. Um, I not not to necessarily directly connect the two, uh-huh. but I kind of like. I kind of like view taxidermy kind of like undertaking similar. where it's, it's, it's very, it's a similar practice, You're preserving, preserving, yeah. you know, a, a living thing mm-hmm. to live on, you know, in a sense, yeah. like, so how did you get to the point where you're like, yeah, this is like, I'm doing it. Like it was, it's more of a hobby. It's, it's no longer a hobby <clears throat> or like something I can do for somebody else just as a gift or it's right. whatever it's right. Like, what was that point that, like, um, ah, so it. after college, like I went to college for wildlife management I was like, how could I not like doing wildlife management as like a career or something? Right. And then I realized there's really no jobs out there for that unless you become like a master's degree student or something. Yeah. You live in the and, mountains of you, you know, like Yosemite or something. Right. <laughs> and there's like, logically I was like. I'm not going to become a mess. I don't even like school at all. <laughs> like yeah, I'm there with you. There, no. Two months into this, I was like, man, this is a, this is a bad idea. <laughs> yeah. I was like, even though I like the subject, I hate school still. So, um, after that, so then after college, like I was working back at working cabinet shop and I was like, I just tax is the only thing I'm, 
I'm really good at, it's the one I have a passion for, and I, I've seen where other, like, the businesses other taxidermists have created. I was like, I, I can do that. Like, right. At that point, my skill level is just as good as some of those, so I was like, there's no reason yeah. I can't. Right. And then, uh, so, after my wife, me and my wife got married, I was working at Riceland Cabinet for a while, because I knew. Um, I've worked there. Small world. When Small. When did you work there? Oh, yeah, it was <laughs> apparently oh <'09. laughs> yeah. nine. I was there in. Oh, never mind. We got married in oh twelve. Jeez. So, so I, I probably gra- left I gra- right before right. you. Right. So it's wild. Yeah. yeah, I worked there, and then my father-in-law is director of maintenance for Wayne Metro. Okay. And then eventually, I finally got. A job there i was like government sweet I was like <laughs> yeah, doesn't pay anything and then after a while i was like this is i was stuck in the office for a while you don't do anything and you don't get paid anything <laughs> yeah i was after working in that office i don't think i've ever been as depressed in my life as i ever have been like with just my job and like just sitting no, i believe there that. doing nothing it's something it's it was it was bad for a while i believe that there's something about a, a, for anybody, I think. I think sitting in front of a computer all day long is one of the worst mental health yeah. things that we have going on today. Or screen, whatever it is. Yeah. But for someone that loves being outdoors and, you know, hunting and doing right. whatever it might be, like, I feel that pain. Yeah. Um, it, it got, daily. like, it was <laughs> literally, it was all right for a little <laughs> bit, but like, I had to go in wearing dress pants, but yeah. not sure. I was like, the. Listen, yeah, what, am I, what? I saw like, dress, you're like you dress up. up to go to church. Yeah. What, what, now you got me dressing day. up for my computer. Right. What am I, what am I doing here, folks? Like right. I'm getting dressed up to sit in a chair in front of my computer all day. <laughs> That's what am I? What? It doesn't make any sense. Right. I don't get it. Yeah. Right. And then, like you know, I'm a big guy, so it's hard for me to even like obviously stay in shape. So like that first year, I gained like. 35 or 40 pounds. Oh, yeah, I believe that. It was horrible. Yeah. So, I mean, that didn't help anything. So, I was miserable, and then finally, I got moved to maintenance, and I was like, oh, sweet. Everything kind of changed for a little bit, and I was like, no. It still sucks. This still yeah. sucks. I've been there. I was like, like this has got to change, like, <laughs> soon. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah, that's when I just started ramping up Facebook, trying to get more work, and then for that first year, it got pretty stressful with me working basically every night and her in the house with the kids to finally we're just like no we're done like you're gonna do this full time and we're just gonna make it work so figure it out yep yeah it's something when you're going through that daily grind and it's i know we we've talked about we talk about on the show a lot Mm -hmm. it's just that what day in and day out like what are you doing Mm -hmm. like why are we doing it what is it feeding into our lives like how is it affecting you know, our family relationships, right. all of the things. It's yeah. like, we go to these jobs that we absolutely hate. And even like when we find a job that's like, oh, like this is a great job. Usually that means I wake up in the morning and I'm not too pissed off about right. getting out of bed right. and going and doing this thing that just happens to send me some money every week or two weeks <laughs> right. yeah. that just happens to allow me to pay my bills and there's just uh, just enough free time in the evenings and weekend for me not to like go completely crazy. Right. So yeah, I found a great job. <laughs> <laughs> right. Right. It's like, like, like we talked to so many people 
that's, you know, I, I've never been a person that wanted to do like create something mm -hmm. or like build like a business. Right. Um, and it's for me in, in this, you know, it's changed in the last couple of years. It's I've realized like creating and connecting other people mm -hmm. and connecting people that like you, you have these people just like you, they're out there like, you know, I just, I just didn't like whatever job was out there. Right. Like, uh, I'd sell cars. I'd do this. I'd do that. You know, I was a mechanic or I was uh or a, you know, and there's even people that are, you know, turning to be, you know, these high profile, like corporate somewhere in the corporate ladder. And they're like, yeah, this sucks. Yeah. I'm going to go start this. I'm going to go do this. And I'm going to, as a family, we're going to decide, no, we're going to chase. And we're not chase, but we're going to do what just makes us happy. Right. Figure out how to make money doing that right. and do it well and do it with passion. Mm -hmm. And that's just super fascinating that people grab a hold of that. It's right. like, okay, now that I, I'm hearing more and more people talk about it, I'm like, okay, well, I guess maybe maybe I could start something instead of right. sit in front of a computer screen and like right. all day long. Like, why? What are we doing here, folks? Exactly. Like, I mean, it's – and then, uh, then, I mean, if you don't succeed, you just – Go find another job. I mean, you're yeah, the all job, over the place. The job, yeah. <laughs> and yeah, if you're somebody that has the ability to even consider and put together a, a business that's not run well, right? like even if you fail at, well, there's some people that fail at business that probably are just because they fail at everything because they don't right. put the thought into it. Right. But even if you like create a, a moderately okay business, you could be an all-star working a job anywhere. Right. Because it's not that hard. Like right. just to like do things like, right. and, and be able to organize. So being able to run your own business and do it successfully, it's like I have the utmost admiration for for people that do that. And it's it's really cool to see the um I don't know if it's the courage or the necessity or whatever it is, mm -hmm. but it's being able watching people do it is fascinating to me. And I think it's yeah. it's it's encouraging. So I, I applaud you for that and I thank, thank you. you for your encouragement. Of me. Right. Um, Thanks. Yeah. It's so I know I, maybe it would have been before we started recording or whatever, but I know you just did you, I've seen you kind of ramp up the social media stuff mm -hmm. and, and putting it out there. Um, and it looks like you've been doing some, uh, at least from what I've seen is some pretty incredible work. Thanks. Um, yeah, it's, it's, it looks really awesome because <laughs> I've seen, I've seen a couple. <laughs> so I, you know, I, I, um, I'm not a, I wasn't born a hunter. My families weren't hunters. Um, but I've been part of a, an in-law family now mm -hmm. long enough that I've kind of like got a taste of hunting. I, I would say it. Um, and I've seen some, not of them, but I've been around the scene enough to like see some like taxidermy stuff and, and, and different animals that are like, Oh, like who, like that was clearly practice for something right, right <laughs> it right. seems like an art form that i have just no idea about and it's it's it really fascinates me because like i look at these things it's like i don't even know like um i i hunt i bow hunting is my favorite thing mm -hmm. um so the i've never uh i've never shot a deer with a gun i've gone deer hunting with a gun plenty of times but never have actually like usually it's just all right well i'll go to the cabin and drink some beers with my family and have fun. Yeah. And I'll walk around with a gun during the day in a vest on, like, <laughs> you know, right. uh, but bow hunting is what I really love doing. Yeah. Um, so like, I'm, you know, I'm familiar with the, the hunt and you, the, the field dressing. Mm -hmm. And I, 
the last, I think three deer I've harvested, I've butchered them myself mm-hmm. and I've probably butchered the butchering process. <laughs> uh, but it's still like food that I provide right. for, you know, the family. Right. And that's, that's, there's something that like, unless you've ever done that, it's, it's hard to explain. Yeah. You know? Yep. Um, but I've always been like, uh, as I like, I, I clean all the meat and I get everything and I'm like, man, like, I wish I knew how to like tan my own hides and yeah. like preserve like all the other things uh-huh. that are here. So it feels like there's a part of that, that, you know, obviously when you're preserving a mount mm-hmm. for somebody, um, you know, do you, I guess maybe I'll ask this side question real quick. Do you do any type of like, um, I don't even know the words for it. They're, they're, I know they're up there in my head somewhere. <laughs> um, but basically like preserving like the hide and everything else for the, for customers or do you just mounts? No. So like if someone wants a, we call them a soft hand, just the hide back or like a rug or something. I take that to a tannery. Um, there's one down in Mount Eaton. Um, I was taking everything there. Last year I started tanning some of my own deer capes Okay. for taxidermy purposes. This year I'm tanning all of them unless I get, more than I want, or if I think like I'm not going to have enough time to get these tanned or everything tanned and keep things going out the door in time too. So I might send <clears throat> some of those to the tannery, but it's kind of a, there's certain ways of doing different tans for like taxidermy purposes. I just need it. Um, basically like wet pliable so i can move the skin around do what i need to do get all the detail back into it a dry tan for like a rug or just preserving the back side of the deer um they i don't even know what the difference in the actual tan is but basically it's dried out and then broken back down so it's soft okay so i just don't really want to mess with that and they can do so much better and faster right so how do you how do you process that it, that entire skin because isn't it like from my my understanding um and i do this a lot as i know just enough to sound dumb um is it so you you peel the 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 entire skin off of the deer head and then mm-hmm. put it like a fake a faux skull in like that's and then like wrap it around that or how does that whole like how's so, that whole process work because i have no idea okay so start to finish so like if i get a deer in i skin the hide off the skull and then i flesh all the meat off the skin turn all the rotten turn yeah, the yeah, crap and, yeah, and the hair will fall out um, so in a timely manner before bacteria and rotting process starts, which is as soon as the deer dies. So, I mean, there is, and as soon as the deer dies, you're on the clock. Uh, yep. We're on the clock there. I mean, you can keep them. It all depends on the temperature. Um, but you know, usually you got a couple of days. Right, temperature the, and humidity the faster and you can get it to me, the better. Cause, um, even when it is cold. I've, you know, if the sun hits it, you know, if it's hanging outside and the sun hits it on that side, you know, it could, even if right. it's cold. That so, sun so maybe this is a good question too, for out. somebody that's, that look, that's looking to come to bring you something, mm-hmm. um, or anybody that does what you do. Like, is there a, is there a procedure that you would follow to give them 
the best product, like since we're kind of, if we're going to walk, I'd love to walk down the timeline of how this whole thing works and how it all, yeah. Cause I, I've never even, I've never even watched a YouTube video about this, honestly. Right. So like, I just kind of have these Christmas stories in my head of how it works. So if somebody, they, so they, they're out there, they, they shoot their, you know, their prize buck mm -hmm. and they're like, I gotta, I gotta keep this thing. Mm -hmm. What, what, sh how should they handle that deer and like the time frame and how should they get it to you? The best thing is dry and cold because water and heat, even water and cold temperatures will still rot a deer. But if somebody shoots it and they're comfortable skinning it down to the skull, skin it, get it in a freezer. If you so, know, you're not going to be able to get it to me. So like, like they're day. like skinning the skull. Like off of the skull no, or just down up just, everything to just like caping it. So like from behind the shoulders down to the base of the neck, and basically then giving you that whole package. And yeah. Say, Here you yep. go. And keeping it dry and cold. Yep. Yeah. Preferably if they can like, preferably they just bring me the deer, like the whole day. thing. It's yep. just like, <laughs> just bring me the yeah, thing and I'll I take mean, care of it. So you don't screw it up. <laughs> right. I mean, I'll, I'll skin the deer for you and send you back with the carcass if you got time to stick around or whatever at my shop. And as long as I don't have a ton of people there, which I don't run that many people through to where I can't just skin a deer out quick. But, um, cause even like now processors get so backed up. I mean, you go to some processors and it's just a pile of deer laying outside regardless of what? the temperature. <laughs> that doesn't sound so yeah. good. No, no. <laughs> That's not good at all. No. Yeah, so the sooner you can get it to me or your taxidermist, the better. And um, I've had some guys call me, like, over weekends or holidays, and I'd ask them, is it frozen? And one time it was like, oh, yeah, it's frozen. They just had it in a tote of ice. It was freezing cold, but it was rotten. Oh, It was 100% green. Because <laughs> all that humidity and everything. They just had yeah, it just, and it just water creates bacteria. And it um, gives that bacteria space to live and yep. Oof. Yeah. Cause you can, one way of cleaning skulls is just keeping them in water and it's called maceration and the meat will just decay right off of the skull. Yeah. All that bacteria and everything just eats away yep. at it slowly yeah. and leaves just the bone. Yep. <laughs> yeah. You can't, you can't do much with that. Huh? No. What do they call it? They call that, um, uh, European mount where they just yes. have the skull yep. or it's just the, the actual skull and antlers. Yep. Why do you know why it's called a European mount? It's because no, they, I don't they, really they didn't know. have refrigerators and ice and, and freezers and could be <laughs> dehydrators to keep it dry. Right. Probably. <laughs> Back then. Yeah. I don't, you know, I never know. I don't never heard anyone's talk about why it's called a Euro. Yeah. Mount. <laughs> yeah we're going to Google that for me. This, this is exactly why that, this is called chronic curiosity because right. I like answering all the right. questions. And I'm not even a huge, like this year, I'm not even doing skulls. I'm referring them to a guy that just specifically does skulls. Right. You focus on the being able to provide, or what's your, what's your favorite? Is it the, the, white, the white tail, just mount and just yeah. the, the basically like the shoulder up, not even the shoulder, but like the neck yeah. where it meets at the shoulders up. I don't know if there's a specific name. No, it's shoulder mount. From shoulder. Basically. Halfway through the center of the shoulder. Up. Yeah. Did you find something? The name Euro mount or European mount comes from the fact that this particular type of display was popular in Europe. It was too expensive for taxidermists to import products for shoulder mounts from America. 
So they did it this cheaper way instead. No shit. Euro mount. That's adorable. So the European mount wasn't even originally European. It's only your it's only European mount because they couldn't do it the way America did. America. <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> See, learn something new every day. Yep. So that's really so all right. So we have the um we have the hunter that has uh dutifully heart shotted this deer within 30 yards with their bow and dropped it instantly and mm-hmm. is harvesting all the meat and they do a, a, a cape skinning. So it's basically yeah. just like the, do you have, do they, is that including like the kind of like the beginning of the forearms? Cause I know they get real, get real skinny down there. So how far is, um, is I usually just tell everyone like from the elbow up yeah and whatever then, is that an elbow or an ankle or whatever it is i don't know if it whatever it is on a deer because i feel like elbow. they have like is it the elbow okay yeah, yeah so it's so you peel so they they skin that all off um mm-hmm. they process their their deer and do all the things and, and they bring you this pristine cape that has been beautifully preserved in a dry freezer that would be great <laughs> right <laughs> yeah. Yeah. um so what do you do with it then like how does that whole process work so then I, if it's frozen, I, uh, hang it up. I got a hoist in my shop. I hang it usually overnight. It'll be ready to skin off the head the next day. Just thawed out just enough. Yeah. Okay. That makes yep. sense. Yep. And then like during deer season, I try to keep my shop cold, especially when I'm getting a lot in basically just warm enough to thaw stuff out. But. And I leave everything, like, if it comes in fresh and I get, like, say if I got 10 or 15 in in one night, which happens sometime in gun season, I can't skin and flesh that many deer in one night. So I basically turn the heat off, keep everything on the concrete floor, and they're good till the next day. Right. So now with this being my first gun season at full time, I don't have to wait all day at work to come home and then skin a bunch. Oh, of right. Deer. Yeah. Cause now you're full time. Yeah. So this is, the, this is your first year being full time. Yep. Yeah. I quit last year at Christmas. Okay. So, but, um, where were we going? So the, the process, uh, the process. So you keep okay. them cool. Yeah. And then how does so, it start? You have the Cape. Yeah. And you're if I'm going to tan it myself, I'll skin it off the skull. Um, put it in the freezer till I'm ready to start tanning. Um, some, I have got in that are questionable, like if this thing, if I have to freeze and thaw this out again, I don't know if the hair is going to make it. So I skin, flesh it, and it goes directly into a tan. And that basically stops all the bacteria growing and it's dry. You have to work on it fast. So what is that process? How do you like, if you were to give someone a crash course in like tanning, like I don't like, I understand what it means. It's kind of like you're drying it out and you make sure that there's no like, um, you know, meat and stuff on there. Cause that meat is what kind of rots and does yeah, all those things. Yeah. But like, I would imagine there's a scraping process, but is there any type of like, um, I know a lot of that stuff is done with chemicals now. And then a lot of this stuff, like obviously, but they used to do it with like, I don't, I don't know. It was like fat that they like scrub like I, the, oh, the, the brain matter. Like how, so I've what, been told, told we actually may have one person. We're trying to get them for our state show. Um, Someone brought up they might be doing on how to brain tan a skin. But supposedly every animal has enough brain matter, brain to, be able matter to, to tan, tan their, their own skin. Hide. I've even heard a, that before. Even a buffalo. Yeah. Is what I've been told. 
Yeah, so I've heard that before, but it's like what like so what is that like I think of like the chemical process. Like what so I don't understand how that whole thing works. Wait, can you clarify what it actually means by tanning a skin? I feel like I should know this coming from the family I was raised in, but like I'm picturing you guys are like, you know, making these deer skins really pretty and change their color, but that's not um, is that really what you're doing? Yeah. Tanning it just is Is it preserving it? Yeah, it's, but it's, it's like not a, gonna like change you're not like you're not like tanning it so it becomes like a different color. You're just preserving the color that yeah, it I mean, has right now. I mean, it ain't laying It'll, out there on a lawn chair, you know, putting <laughs> yeah. on some I SPF mean, three, getting a nice yeah. bronze, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> I don't know what a, or something. I don't know what a brain tan skin would look like, but like the way skins are tanned now, um. Like it'll be a nice fleshy white, and then some tans that it turns tan, basically. But that's yeah. usually due to the oils and stuff that are in the. Yeah, because I know there's like I think there's they they um they can introduce some like dyes and tans yeah. throughout the process yeah. to make different colors of yeah. leather. But is it just the is really what tanning is? Maybe this is the question that the most simplest simplistic way of asking it is it really just the the tanning in essence is the best way to dry the skin out so it neither rots nor gets so dry it cracks and breaks is that kind of, yep. so yeah. that's kind of the, so it's turning skin to leather pretty much. that's a, a vi like a bendable and flexible yeah. but super durable thing at the same time yeah. so like you have to is what type of uh this is a really deep cut maybe not deep cut whatever um how much like fat and stuff can you leave because there's like when you look at an animal it's like mm -hmm. any, anything a tree that has layers whatever all it's, it's the the hair and then you know that top layer of fur and all these things and then there's that layer of skin that we're mm -hmm. looking at tanning and then there's like these different layers of like membranes and fats and yeah. and then obviously the muscles and more fat and all these different things yep. so are you trying to scrape off all of that fat and just leave just the skin or is it like just just a little bit of fat to be able to like soak into that skin that like keeps it pliable so, or anything like that. I don't know. Just so when, <laughs> when the, when you, um, so like when I put my hides into a tan, like not a hundred percent of it has to come off. Like you can leave little bits of that thin membrane. Thin. there's very thin layers of meat on the skins, like around the face and, Stuff I get as much off as I can. Anything thick, um, but some of the thinner stuff, and then like, there's like the bigger muscles in the face that have to be. I try to get the face as much off as I can. How do you do that? Like, what, is there like special um, tools or something? I actually you use, use uh, utility snips, and there's it, it takes a little bit of practice, but they're they're called wise snips or something. I get them off Amazon. One side's like slightly serrated and the other side's just super sharp, but you can just kind of hold it at the right angle and literally just shear the meat right off. So it's the, where the connection, where the meat connects with the skin. Yeah. I never thought about but that. You got to get a feel for it because that's not like if you cut a hole in it, it's not just like a cut. It's you just took a chunk out of it, which is harder and, to put and back that's together. And that's the precise location that you're trying to preserve and make look nice yes. in your face. Yeah. And I never thought about that either. The, the, that's, I guess that's why taxidermy would be so complicated when you're doing 
things like that. It's because it's, you don't have this big chunk of, you know, thick skin. It's like the, the face and like that, uh, the thickness of the skin on a face Mm -hmm. is much thinner than anywhere else, you know, on humans and animals. So like, I never thought about the, you know, they have, they, I wonder how many, there's no way you're going to be able to Google this, but I'm putting you up to the challenge. The difference, how many muscles are in a human face and how many muscles are in a, a deer face. Hmm. Cause I feel like if you think about it from a human aspect, not that I'm trying to taxidermy a human face, <laughs> but like there's so many muscles that, cause we have so many expressions, right? right. We have all of these different feelings and emotions and like each one of those, like our communications are a big part of communicating mm-hmm. with people is seeing their facial expressions. Right. So like, I'd imagine a deer has to, maybe even if it's not as many muscles in our, in their faces as we do, but those little tiny connections, I never thought about going through there with a, with, basically like these lineman's pliers or whatever and right. just like snipping them off. Like, yeah, uh, that's you just, um, I can see you just sitting on a stool for hours. Just like, Oh, I'm snipping this deer's face again. <laughs> like, yeah. So you flip that. Do you, so peeling it off is, is the peeling it off is it, you just kind of scrape it off the skull and like kind of fold it forward and then yeah, like you so, work on it from there and clean it up like backwards. Basically. So like when I skin something off the skull, I, they always tell you, um, like if hunters going to do it, like if somebody that hunts out West and they want to cape their stuff off the skull in the field so they don't have to pack the head out. Right. The weight um, and everything. We tell them cut as close to the bone as possible. We'll take care of the rest. When I'm skinning it off, I cut as close to the skin as possible because I know. Because you're going to have to cut it close to the skin I got to cut it off anyway. So right. I try to do myself a favor there. I got gotcha. unless you. Unless I know I'm in a hurry, then I just I just get it off and. I'll deal with it later, but depending on the circumstance that yeah, you're, yeah. you're doing it. And then, yep. so what, so now we have, we're gotten to the point where we've basically reversed the animal from inside out Yep. throughout the whole process. You know, we've gutted it or we've, we've shot it, harvested it, gutted it. Um, because you, you know, when taking whatever live organs the hunter wants, mm-hmm. um, in some of those, you know, some of those are really good to eat. Yeah. Um, and then processed all of the, the meat from the bones and then taking the skin off the bones and kind of flipped it inside mm-hmm. out. Now I'm assuming you let it dry for a little bit and no, no you, you start no. to peel, you, you start the process yeah, putting so, it back over whatever. Oh, so we haven't even really got to the tanning process. Oh yet. yeah. No, so, that's right. We got the duff. So, we got to tan the hide first. So, uh, before I flush, I have to turn everything. We call it splitting the eyes, the lips and the ears. So on your eyelids, you have a skin that folds back down and under. Okay. So all that has it seals to be turned. Eye socket. Yeah. So all that has to be turned inside out to where it's all, it's kind of hard to explain. I'll share a picture of it. It'd be easier, but you can basically, it. basically it'd be like, the skin's folded over like this. Like, here's your eyelid. Here's your eye. You have to so turn it goes, inside this out goes and like, split that. Does it go inside the of the eye socket? Yeah, like so the bone? basically your skin just rolls right over. If, so there's, your so you're eye. telling me there's like, there's basically a, um, some kind of layer, membrane layer that connects the skin and goes through the eye socket on the inside of the eye socket? Basically, yeah. And that's where the pocket that the eyeball sits in. Mm-hmm. Oh, okay. I mean, it makes yeah. sense. Yeah. yeah. So it makes sense. 
And that's where all the tear ducts and all those, all the blood vessels and yep. everything. Oh. Yeah. So okay. once you get that and then just like your lips, all that. Oh yeah. Folds. Back in. So I have to split all of that to get all that tissue out. Right. Cause you have to eventually think about folding it back in mm-hmm. later. Yep. Or Same with the nostrils. I have to turn the ears inside out and split the ears. Okay. So the cart cartilage goes in the ear and I have to turn that ear inside out. And then eventually after the tanning process, I, strip the cartilage out of the ear too. So you pull all of the original. So basically all you're left before you start the process of building your end product, you're pulling all of the bone meat, yep. the, the cartilage, everything out. Yep. And then, so you're using, I, and maybe I'm, I'm stepping ahead here, but you're using, um, like some kind of like mold. To yeah. put everything back together. Yeah, it's a styrofoam. So how do you pick that? Because obviously there's different animals that have different like feels and looks. And how much of a, a practice is that to pick like, because are there different molds? Oh, yeah. Like, oh, yeah. Okay. So yeah, like, I would imagine like a hunter would get his, you know, deer back and be like, well, that's not exactly his facial structure. You know, I, I know, I know the 12 point I shot and that don't look like it. You know, yeah. like, so like, how do you like how do you pick that? Cause that's almost an art form in itself is like finding the facial structure and like being able to find that, that perfect right. like frame to rewrap it um, around the, the way technology. So the white tailed deer is the most mounted animal. And the so they probably got all types of fun stuff. Yeah. So, I mean, you basically just, there's some good, uh, supply companies and then there's some that, aren't the greatest but like we're fortunate enough we got one if not two of the best in ohio down in killbuck so or in the country down in killbuck down killbuck so is it's nice so they so they what do they do do you know do, i don't know oh, least i'm asking <laughs> I'm, I'm just do you know how like how they like do they do any type of like and this might be weight ridiculous but like digital imagery of like the deer heads they get in or like how do they how do they choose like how to form their structures like and how to form the sculpted and it's all hand sculpted yeah oh geez so then they just well hand sculpted casts um all kinds oh, okay of... so they find like a general size skull yeah like, those guys are start casting them and forming them and insanely smart when it comes to anatomy that's really it's, interesting. So then you can just go and be like, ah, oh, this is about like, so how do you compare, how do you go from the deer that was given to you and the, the form that you want to use to rewrap that, that skull with? So like, do you, do so you I take two measurements, one around the base of the neck and one from the front corner of the eye to the nose. Okay. Sometimes I don't even use the face one. It's just. There's certain measurements. They almost always coincide with the other one. That makes sense. Um, if I was getting real critical, maybe on a competition piece, I might take all different sizes into factor, but to really um, get the, to capture the, yeah, most times it's just, it's always almost spot on, especially with the good form makers. And there's, there's a decent amount of them out there, but like I said, the ones, I use her all in Killbuck. So, um, the one, their heads seem to be a little smaller. So I got to do some things with that to make those fit a little better, but they're both 
really good and so it's turn a, out really nice. So it's either way, it's a it's a starting point for you. Yeah, and then you yeah. still have to. You just kind of got to read the you skin. Gotta, you got to work your magic a yeah. little bit. You, you got to read, read the, the skin. You got to read the skin. He said, nope. <laughs> "As if I yeah. know what that means." <laughs> no, right. I get it though. That's super cool though that you've been able to do it enough. Ooh, so you've been able to do that enough to be able to you know read the skin. How many? How many animals do you think you have preserved? Uh, over the years. <laughs> Probably 400. That's a pretty good amount. Maybe. I don't know. I've never really... Never thought about like, it? Like, I've kept track because I've kept records of everything, but I've never counted it up, but probably, probably around 400. And those are obviously, I would imagine, mostly um, whitetail. Yeah. What uh? What other do you enjoy doing? Anything else? As, um, like as far as like, I like tag. I don't like doing birds. <laughs> I can imagine those would be difficult. Yeah, yeah. easy to Wait, pluck. What but... kind of bird? Oh, like turkeys. Yeah, I don't like. I was doing just picturing like crows. <laughs> he's, like, he's over yeah. here like uh, <laughs> <laughs> dumb and dumber. What's the bird's name? Polly? Oh. Was it Polly? You gave our dead bird to a blanket? <laughs> he took care of it. Yeah, right. <laughs> um, I did see an otter. Right? Did yeah. I see an otter? You did an otter? I've done a few. Uh, oh, how many did I? I? I can't pull it up here. I was going to. There's no screen for me to. Is it, maybe try the other way. It might be backwards. It might have got messed up. So you've done an otter? That's I've, I did. When did I do last year? Did two otters last year, I think. I've done three all together. Are those are those from Ohio? Yeah. Oh, yeah. that's super cool. I got now. I have to see this. So I, we got to fix the screen real quick. Um, this is this actually was a. So this was a, a this is a store pick that I've had for a while. It's a single barrel, mm-hmm. um, and it's much better than it, what it was originally. Is it? Yeah, it's it's aged a little bit, and it's it's. I'm like wow, like I'm glad I kept this back there because it's, it's really good. Have you ever had Caribou Crossing? Oh, it sounds familiar. It's good. It's kind of got like a smoky flavor to it. Are you the smokier flavor guy? You like the smoky flavors? Like, are you like, a, are you a Scotch? Do you like Scotch? I don't know if I've ever even had Scotch, a Scotch. is real smoky. Like it. Well, there's some Scotch out there that can get real. It tends to be a little smokier. Yeah. So if you like that smoky flavor, it's almost like a. Uh, there's some uh, Scotches out there that are. If you like cigars, like it's almost like it's like having a liquid cigar. Really? Yeah. Huh. That's that's how I would view it as. Um, gotcha. But it's uh yeah, some of the scotches are a little smokier and they get a little wild. And I'm I'm okay with um I'm okay with a little bit of smoke, but it's not my not my my deal. Yeah. But um those turned out really good. So otters. So this was Oh, it is cute. <laughs> <laughs> That's super cool. I'd have to hang like a, I'd have to hang like a, like a lake picture behind that or something. That would look sweet. Yeah. Like a little, a little uh, painting that like in right about halfway in between is where the, the water level's at. So it di- it's like, it looks like it's diving down in it. That's phenomenal. So we're, so these, were these, I can't remember if I asked you this. We're recording these on in from Ohio, or yeah. yeah. So I, I guess I didn't even know like otters were legal to be harvested in Ohio. I didn't, I guess I didn't even know otters were in Ohio. Yeah, that season open. I forget when. 
Is it a more recent, like fairly recent? Or yeah, within the last, I want to say maybe like eight years. Okay, so that, that's fairly recent as far as hunting goes. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's yeah, gorgeous. Um, that's one I did for competition. That that one right yeah. there. Oh, yeah, he's trying to get a smell of something. Oh, the American flag on the yeah, back of it. That that's one cool. I did for um the that's actually a customer piece. He wanted a pedestal with it looking up. And uh that was the only <laughs> pedestal piece. Like typically once you get to a certain level of competition, like you want to do a nice pedestal like that. Um and that was the only one I had and I didn't really have any of my own stuff to do. Typically I like to do my own stuff for competition, but right. Just cause there's so much more time involved in it that you can't recoup that. Right. No, it's, it's that's more of an possible. art. That's more of an art thing at that point. And when yeah. you're trying to get your business off the ground, right. You know, you, you don't have time necessarily for, for art. Right. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay. I, it's, it's a beautiful. So, so the, he brought you the, the head and then you did the pedestal or. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Is that an albino raccoon? Nah. What is that's that? That's more of a blonde. That's a blonde. Oh, I mean, is this? It wasn't a. It, I don't know if I, I don't know if you call it a white coon or a blonde coon, but it still had pigment in it. Yeah, there's still it was a little just bit very of brown light on his back. But that's and it did not have uh, albino eyes. Okay, so it wasn't quite. Yeah, because you can see there's still a little bit of brown on, on his tail too. Yeah, the tail has a little bit of that brown, and that's that's almost kind of cooler than albino because it's like most. I don't know if I've ever seen. Maybe I have. I think maybe the only time I've ever seen one of the, something like that is from your page, because I I feel like I've may may have seen something from your page before too. Are those that common? Like that's uh, um, you don't see too many. Uh, they're not super rare, but I mean so they're you, they're you, uncommon. You've seen of them. <laughs> they're they I don't think they're as like uncommon as piebald deer stuff like that, right? But. It's incredible work. That lad, he's a good looking fellow there too. Oh, that's the other one. That that otter is also very cute. (laughs) I made that whole rock by. Oh no, kidding! From scratch. So can you go back to that with the? So how do you do that? Is that off of like a uh, a styrofoam form or something that you like paint? Like how how do you do? How do you make? I poured a bunch of styrofoam to shape it, and then I covered it in a mache. Um, it's kind of a mache design for doing rocks and stuff. It dries super hard, and that's you can really get awesome. some pretty good textures and stuff with it. Yeah, that's super awesome. And then I painted it with like a, I just use acrylic paints and mix it with water to more or less do a wash instead of like real heavy paint. Right. Where'd you get the? Did they shoot that otter or did they like trap it? Trap. I'm sorry, okay. I don't and then be. well. That's enough for my okay. That's enough for my imagination. <laughs> one of them, I forget which one I did over the years. Some stuff like that you'll find with. It's not the person that brought it to me that did it, but sometimes you'll find bird shot or duck shot in it. Mm. But it r- rarely penetrates deep enough to even do anything. But I forget which one. One of them had 
birdshot in it. Now, do you think that's someone that tried to shoot it before? It's a good possibility. And just it just didn't succeed. It's yeah. like finding um finding buckshot in a deer you got with your bow. Yeah. Right? Like it's like well, or like um I've even seen some of there's um slug wounds mm-hmm. where a deer will survive a slug wound. Oh yeah. And yeah. it's like you shoot it with your bow and you're like, yeah, nice clean shot. And then you, you skin it out and you're like, well, what the hell is this? Like, right. like right. you try to explain, like those are the times where it's like, I'm glad I'm not taking this to somebody because try to explain that. Right. right. <laughs> that's pretty, that's, so is it, I guess maybe this is a question you don't know either, but, um, oh man, those are gorgeous. Um, is for the otters, is it? Do you have to trap them? Is that the only legal way to to get them, or can I you shoot think so, them? Yeah, because you have to tag them into like a deer, right? Still, and I think you're on. I don't know how many are allowed. I think you're still only allowed one, maybe. That would. I'm not. It sure. wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I'm not. I don't trap, so I don't. Yeah, really I've never. I've never even tried. I know details of um, I know some of my in laws have done it a little bit, but I. I mean, trap muskrats when i was little because we on our family farm we got a creek that runs through the mm. middle of it that was pretty easy for, for it was a man-made ditch so it's easy to catch muskrats right. in those when they're is that where the the um the taxidermy kind of started where did you start using skins and stuff from them or just, no i just sold just, them i just took them to our there's a local fur dealer. Okay. But it's still, it's, it's in that vein, right? You're still yeah. going to the, it all started for me from the fur. Yeah. It all started for me really from, uh, I was always into art, like drawing. And I started taking, uh, painting classes, private painting classes when I was like fifth grade, I think. Okay. For doing like oil paintings and right. stuff. Well, you can see with that with the the rock setup, you had that otter on. Like, there's something like, um, like I said, like I um I make knives, mm-hmm. but like I remember just recently in the past couple of years, someone was like, yeah, he's like, I want a knife. I'm like, okay, cool, real simple, just like a you kitchen. He wanted a, like a meat, like a smoking knife, yeah, like slicing and you know chopping stuff up, but kind of a multi purpose thing. And it was like, well, he and then later he goes, well, can you uh can you build me a like a like a display block for it? And I'm like, oh, ah, <laughs> uh, like in my mind, I'm thinking, well, a, a display block functionally is, is much easier to make than the entire knife, right. you know, heat treating it and all doing all the things kind of like, I can imagine like taxidermy, like tanning the hide, going through all this whole process. And it's like, oh, now you want me to like put a couple pieces of wood together <laughs> to display it. Like, I don't know if I can do that, like, uh, but it's, it's. That because that's like the that's not like it's a different type of art. Yeah. So like yeah. I could see like it's neat to be able to see the uh, you bringing both of those things together. Yeah. And I think that's in, a, a special realm. In there. taxidermy, you could literally almost use there's skills from like almost every trade involved right. in taxidermy. All the way from you could even work in electrical and plumbing. Oh, lighting. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Lighting. <laughs> yeah. I I use. <laughs> I've soldered copper together before to make limbs and oh, different yeah. things like that. Um, yeah, it's you can literally use almost every type of skilled trade. That's so involved cool. in taxidermy. I think that's a. I think that's that's why a lot of people call it the most complex art. No, I then that's why it's always fascinating because I don't understand it at all. And 
to be able to preserve uh, a creature like that. And, you know, it's, it's never, you know, it can never, you can never exactly duplicate the, the feeling and like the emotions and things you get from like harvesting an animal like that as a hunter. Um, and this is one thing we've talked about too, a lot is, you know, there's a lot of, there's a lot of bullshit that follows hunters, mm-hmm. you know, just with anything else, uh, in life, you know, there's always, regardless of what group of people that people that, that you're talking about, there's always people are just crappy. Yeah. Like regardless, there's, there's crappy hunters, there's, there's crappy cops, there's crappy, this, there's crappy, there's, you know, any end of the spectrum. But like, for the most part, like one thing I think a lot of people are, people don't get that don't get hunting is that most of these people out here are doing their absolute best to consider, you know, wildlife management and the health of a population of animals and, you know, how to harvest that animal properly and safely and you know humanely mm-hmm. and you know it's you know if you're I, I get the argument for i get arguments for people not wanting to eat meat or um you know that are against hunting or whatever it is i get it but if right. if you're against hunting and you also are upset when a bear <laughs> Or a jaguar, or a mountain lion, or whatever it is, eats your kid. Right. I don't know what to say. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, like, because exactly. if we're gonna mingle with these animals, right. we have to understand how to do so. And yeah. I think m- most of the time, most of the time, hunters appreciate that more than anybody. Yeah. That it's look like this is something that I'm going out to gather for my family, mm-hmm. and I'm feeding my family. Right. Also, guess what? It's a great time too. It is. Like I it's a great time, but all part of that comes from like there's nothing there's no better feeling to me after being able to harvest a deer like that, especially with a bow or something like that and then throw a steak on the grill and feed your family. Like yeah. there's there's just I don't, I don't know how to explain it to you. Right. You you only get it if you've done it. Yep. Um yep. But like, so being able to kind of preserve that animal and being able to, it's not like a, and there are, you know, there are trophy hunters out there. That's just mm-hmm. all they do, whatever. But like the vast majority of people doing this are just like, it's, it's that momentum of, right. or not momentum, moment, mom, um, now I'm going to lose it. I can't, <laughs> momenta, mom, moment, momento, momento, that, that memory right. <laughs> of right. like, yeah, like this was this was that time and i just happened to come across this you know uh and typically like you know any for the most part when people are at least i'm imagining i'm assuming here but for the most part when people are coming to you and getting things done and getting mounts and these different types of animals uh preserved it's because it's like oh this is this is not the typical creature that you come across that belongs to the species you know it's oh this is just this giant buck that's he survived it all, mm-hmm. but I was, I just happened to be the hunter that, that outsmarted him. Right. Like these, these deer and all these different, you know, m- creatures that were like, are so majestic. Like they don't get that way because they're stupid. Right. Like they're, they're intelligent creatures and it's kind of being able to, I guess, you know, honor yeah, w- what, what they are yep. and like in, in the yep. process and everything else. So that's, I think it's, 
It's important. Yeah, it is. So there's some fun facts about um, otters in Ohio. But this is otter trapping in state public hunting areas without a special beaver otter trapping permit from the Division of Wildlife is prohibited. The Ohio Division of Wildlife will conduct controlled trapping on a number of publicly managed areas. So they do like a like a lottery mm, for those yeah. things. Um, that and, makes sense. That makes sense. Um, the season is December 26th through the last day of February. And certain um, zones, you can only like bag one. But other zones, you can bag like up to two. That makes sense. That's kind of yeah. how deer hunting is too, depending yeah. on your, what your zone is and yeah. where you're at. You can have more of one or less of the other. And they're trying to, it's, it's all about trying to balance the population, mm-hmm. right? And, and make sure you're, we're propagating a, a healthy, you know, whatever a, a, a environment for yep. the, for these, for these animals. Yeah. And it's, it's important because it's like, yeah. guess what? Like, guess what? Like if we're going to be here, then we have to be able to figure out how to live with these yeah. creatures yeah. and with our environment. And yeah, like, and I think that's, <laughs> uh, I saw, it was funny. Uh, I'll real side real cr- way off the side here. I saw a video the other day of supposed environmentalists spray paint, spray painting, not even spray painting. Like they were literally just like shooting like hoses of like paint on the windows of a Rolex place in the city. And I'm thinking, I'm like, right. Well, so you're an environmentalist that is, that lives in a big city, which if you live in a big city, that means you have to buy all your stuff from large corporations Uh and you're protesting for the environment and you're shooting gallons of chemicals all over the street that are going to go into the drains right. and they're going to mix in with the water of said city. I don't, I don't really understand the logic here right. that you're like, exactly. like if you're an environmentalist, then I would think this is just me find somewhere out in nature to go and build a wood cabin and what happened to people the tying land? themselves to trees? Yeah, to prevent, yeah, protect the trees. Now they're yeah. just gluing themselves to walls and museums because there's right. a lot of that going on too. It's just really weird. Like, why are we gluing ourselves onto this wall and throwing the, I don't know, like pumpkin pie at something? I heard <laughs> one there's some protesters, protesters concreted themselves in front of like a Starbucks or something. What? That seems so odd. I forget where I heard that on. But. Yeah, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. That or like the people like, I'm going to set myself on fire. But what about carbon emissions? You just burnt yourself. That's that yeah. can't be healthy for the earth, yeah. right? It's right. per your requirements. Yeah, I, don't right. exactly. <laughs> yeah. I don't know. But like I so I think it's it's yeah, I I find deep respect and admiration for people that are going and doing those things and, and providing that um that special moment to for those people to remember and mm-hmm. to kind of look back on like these are majestic creatures yeah. like and it's it's a lot different than if you go into a uh you know f- factory farm or whatever it is like you know what we got to feed people mm-hmm. i get it there's that's a whole different conversation right but 
for hunters to be able to go harvest this animal. Like, and people are like, Oh, look at that. Oh, he's just happy. He killed that thing. Like, stop it. Like, right. that's not, you You have no idea what that, what, what that is. Right. You're, like now, if you're just driving down the road with a spotlight and just happen to have a loaded, like 30, 30 in the back seat, and you just happen to come across a deer and you spotlight them in the middle of the night where you're driving down the road, super hammered. Ah, uh, maybe you should try a different hobby, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but yeah, for sure. you know, but like there, for the most part, like it's, it is fascinating to like most of the people you talk to, they're, they're concerned about the animals. Yeah. They want the, they want to promote yeah. a healthy, you know, life for these, yeah. these beings and to yeah. capture them. It's, it's super neat. Yeah. It's like how, how, um, I guess how how does it how do you feel? Um, this is coming from someone like when I talked about how I make knives, it always made me really nervous giving that knife to somebody that they like requested. How what it, what is that like for you to give this person back? You know, and it's like how long does it take too? Because it's a time period that it takes you to do all these things. So it's like there's a waiting period, and like being able to give that person what they've, you know, entrusted you with it. It's a good feeling to see them happy with the end result, but still almost everyone I'm nervous if they're going to like it or not. So I'm still kind of working through that after a while. Some guys are like, they just know they're going to like it, but I still worry about if they're, I don't think you should work through that. I think you should hold on to that, right? Yeah, because isn't that? I don't think I'll ever lose it, but hopefully, it just won't like rattle you as much. Yeah, yeah, (laughs) yeah. Yeah. I I I would say never, never lose hold of that. Yeah, because that's what keeps you trying to do better. Yeah. Has anybody ever requested something really weird, like their poodle or something? I've got. There's got to be. I've got requests (laughs) for uh, pets before. Actually, I had four. Rats freeze dried for a couple. Four rats? Were they they were, were these, pet rats. they were pet rats? Yeah. And And you did them? I had them freeze dried. I don't, I don't do freeze drying. I took them to the lady that did freeze drying. Oh, okay. So it was a little different of a process that they had to go through to Yeah. I I won't do any pets like personally. And now I just refer them to a couple freeze dryers that actually specialize in pets. Oh, okay. But, um, is it just the process or is it just because it's a pet that you're, it's because it's a pet and there's no forms and stuff for cats, dogs. I mean, so it's all custom work. Yeah. And creating like that pet owner knows that animal's personality and you don't. So recreating that is those expectations have to be like they have to be so high. Yeah, Yeah. like even like unintentionally. Oh yeah, like that emotion. Yeah, and then I think you, I think you dodged a bullet there. Never traveling down that road because I get it now. Because I'm like, well, why wouldn't you do it? Oh yeah, okay. (laughs) Some of the people I do know that will do pets, they'll only do them sleeping. That would make sense too, because because you can't see. Yeah, because the it's isn't it weird about something about the the creature being able to try to capture their you know them mm-hmm. alive right like that's the only i guess i wouldn't say i would never do it 
if somebody had like a hound or something, like a hunting hound, and they wanted it incorporated with, in a scene, oh, yeah. I would probably do that because there is forms for for hound dogs. That makes sense because they're part of that process. Yeah. They're part yeah. of that. That would be the probably the only time I would do it. Yeah, I don't. I don't blame you for that. And then, even, <laughs> even if not at that moment, maybe I would have somebody else just do the dog for that piece, and then incorporate yeah, it. I, I can't. I would have to see, kind of. I it depend on the day, I guess. <laughs> yeah, or exactly what they wanted. But yeah, I can't blame you for that. that would be that's a whole different ballgame. Probably only case I'd ever do another pet. Yeah, and then a, some guys will like only do snakes or because that's what they get like are all a little different and that's what they specialize yeah. in yeah. that makes sense yeah it's i did have a lady call about doing a 10 foot python not too long ago oh. i was like that would be sweet but i was like i've never even mounted a snake before and i'm not gonna attempt my first snake on a 10 foot python <laughs> yeah i need to practice that yeah. like i need i need to yeah. put that in the shop and just kind of that's what i feel like that's a um my entire career as like a knife maker was just I'm just trying it all and just like mm-hmm. I'm playing with it, which is basically what I do with everything. Um, hell, even this, <laughs> this the podcast, like I'm like, just like, like 70% and then maybe sometimes I get to 80 or 85% and it's like, ah, this was fun. But, um, that, but a lot of the, a lot of the fun experiences at the same time are people from like, Hey, can you do this? I'm like, Ooh, I don't know. Maybe mm-hmm. like, get back to me in a year or two and I'll let you know. Yeah. <laughs> like I'll give it a shot. Did like, you see the baboon on there? Baboon. Yeah. That was well, on some my Facebook page somewhere. How long? I now need, I, I even need um, go to my wild legends taxidermy Facebook page. Oh, look at that one. <gasps> oh, well, that's sad. Because it's probably a little baby deer, a little fawn. Oh, it's bear. I don't know where some of those pictures are. Impala. Yeah, those, that would, there's some, there's some neat creatures that I think a lot of people don't realize that live in the United States, whether or not it was you know, originally from here, like quote unquote, but there's a lot of neat creatures that yeah. have been brought over and introduced in different environments from different countries that hundreds of years later, they just still happen to have a population. Yeah. That's not my work. I don't know. I wonder if that was a picture I just saved. Oh, it might've been. Yeah. Just from the, How long ago was this baboon? Uh, a few months ago. I think back in spring. Oh, you gotta scroll down then. Yeah, you gotta go down. I still... How many... Oh, I just saw that fish. You can keep going. You can look <laughs> for that baboon. Um, how many... So I saw a fish up there. Was that... Do you do fish too? That's gotta be a whole different process as well. Yeah. Right? Yeah, I'll do um, basically our game species. But the way... I do them. I'll do like a cast head, cast fins, and then just the skin for the body. 
So how do you, I, it seems like those scales would get, it just, this is me, me thinking off the top of my head. Um, it seems like those scales would get like, they would dry out and get, they'd almost dry out too much and get flaky and fall. Like some so how, do crappie are really known to have scales fall so, out. So how do you process that? Is that different? There's gotta be, it's gotta be a different process than like a deer Basic, hide or something. Yeah. Right? You basically just scrape all the, um, flesh and stuff off the, um, skin and then you soak it in um denatured alcohol oh okay and so would that would be so if you wanted if you found this big old fish in the place that you wouldn't expect it going back to the for the hunters and anglers right out there like how what's the best way to preserve a fish is it because uh, i can't imagine it's dry is it dry and cold as well because or is it wet and cold because they're wet, fish? Wet. <laughs> so um, typically what I'll do, um, some guys will just bring them to me frozen in a bag. I'll uh, get them out of the bag and then take a damp towel and roll them up in that. And then rehydrate them and then free. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then that's that keeps that's, them that's... from freezer burning too. I could see that because that would because their scales are kind of hanging out there and yeah. get oxidized yeah, and freezer burn. the fins and... Oh. oh, that's a good looking fish too. Yeah, so that was a skin mount with a reproduction head and now, fins. Now, do you um, do you like you have to coat them with something like a like a vernier, like some kind of vernier? That's not even the right word, I'm sure. But like, uh, just clear coat. So it's like a some kind of it's a it's a coating you have yeah. to kind of. There's um, you can kind of use different ones they actually out of the supplier they have what they call fish gloss it's just i think thicker and super glossy oh okay oh so you did you did that baboon yep so this is february 15th what so i needed to know the story how does that how how does this come about that was from africa um, father and son went on a safari that they got at an auction from a Whitetails Unlimited banquet. Okay. So they um both shot a wildebeest, an impala, a warthog, and then the dad shot a baboon, and then the son shot a vervet monkey. I still have to do that, but there's a big hole in that one, so that one's... Kind of on the back burner for trying to patch it up. (laughs) Yeah, there's no patching it. It's It's I'm just trying to figure out how to mount it in a way that you can't really see it. Uh, I didn't realize that those were like, uh, I mean, I guess over in Africa, you could probably pay enough money to hunt anything if you wanted to. Yeah, those are actually (laughs) really common in Africa. Yeah, and there's I've heard those things are they're mean, mean as fuck. Yeah, it looks mean. Like, look at those things. I wouldn't want to come. And that, that, the fact that they have opposable thumbs, that makes them really <laughs> scary because then they can grab a hold of things. Like, no, thank you. And then I made that tree all out of um, PVC and. That's really awesome. That's, that's where that art piece comes yeah, in. That, that, I wouldn't be able to do that. That's that. <laughs> there's no way. That's so cool. Like, and you're you're really like melding two wildly different forms of art together. Yeah, and that's impressive. Yeah, like that's impressive. Like you should you should. Ignore I wish that. I had the very <laughs> bottom of that base on there. I don't think I 
did in those pictures. That's so wild. But I incorporated, so I got all the skulls back with them. So, like, the wildebeest and stuff. So I just basically smashed them up and then incorporated pieces of the skull in the very base so of why it. So why is, uh, maybe that's another question, too, I'm thinking, is why why don't they, why can't you use the original skull to form that that form? Is it? You could. Um, some guys still may do it, but there's just the forms that are out there for a lot of these are just so accurate that you don't really need to. So what, what makes it easier though? Is it just because you have to clean it off and like, and be able to, you'd have to re-sculpt all the muscles back onto it. Oh, okay. So what the forms that you get have like the muscles sculpted onto it. So it, yeah. because the muscles give it that facial structure Yeah, and the skull is right. a lot, it's bare bone. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's literally bare bones. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that makes sense. I never thought about that. So yeah. it's because of the, the muscle structure, when you wrap the skin back over it, you have to have the muscle structure on the skeleton to make it look real. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. That would, yeah, that'd be a lot. So it'd be a lot more work to like try to sculpt the muscles back onto its own skeleton because obviously the muscles can't last. Yeah. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. There you go. See it. All years, these things I mean, sense. years ago when taxidermy first started, that's what, that's how it was done. Right. Because what else are you going to do? Exactly. Yeah. What did they used to like do like plaster or something over top of this, the yeah. skull and then kind of form it and then wrap the skin around it? Is that would be yeah. the, okay. That'd, that'd be a lot more work, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Just, and then if you, if you miss something or if there's one little piece left behind that just starts, starts to rot, and, <laughs> yeah, I get it. Oh, that's a, that's a little fun. So what's the, uh, what's the story behind the fawn? Because that's, that's super that sad. That was a roadkill. Oh, what's He a... actually hit the mom. Oh. And then it basically, the fawn came. That's out. super sad. Yeah. That's, uh, I don't know if you're on, um, Instagram at all. Mm-mm. No. Okay. But there's a, uh, an Instagram page that's, it's called nature is metal. And it really shows the, uh, it has like people like taking videos of whatever, um, whether it be, you know, hawks catching things like in the middle of the, you know, in the middle of a city or, um, animals chasing each other, you know, out in the middle of nowhere, someone takes a video of it, you know, it's a, a mountain lion just mauling the hell out of something. It's like, you realize that like nature's. Nature's not soft. No, not like, at nature all. is not uh, gracious. Like they're not forgiving, you know, black, you know, like bears, like they'll eat their own, like, yep. you know, all these dolphins, all these different creatures. They're just brutal. And yeah, there is like beauty in it all, but let's not forget that like nature has a way of taking care of itself yep. and it's not what we think it is. Yeah. So it's like as sad as some of these things that we want to think they are because, you know, an animal lost its life. I get it. But we, we often too, like too often tie in like all animals to like our pet dog, yeah, you know, or our cat or whatever it is that we've yeah. like bonded like with Coca-Cola over so many years. Or... Yeah. And the Coca-Cola <laughs> bear that's like, bro, you, co- you come across that polar bear. 
he's going to fucking eat you. Yep. He's going to eat you. Like yep. that's a period. Because yeah. if you come across it, he hadn't seen no seals in a while and he's going to eat you. Mm-hmm. Like that's just how things work. Yeah. Like things eat each other. So it's, it's super cool. Uh, oh, oh, this is the, so you, so you do have a, this is your wild legends taxidermy. Your, your website. Is that yeah. a, up yep. to date? And are you, um, what, so what's your availability like? Are you, how, how does that work? Do people need to contact you? Like, are they taking, yeah, like, pretty much need, like, by appointment. You need to Only. like call ahead yeah, and be like, Hey, yeah, that's how I prefer it. Cause I don't run so like, like a- Hey, I plan on going hunting like next week and I plan on coming back with some, do you have availability? Is that what, like they plan ahead? Like wishful um, thinking? Yeah. How does that, some guys how does the whole do. process work out? And yeah. that's helpful, especially like. If if I know like a group of guys are going like bear hunting or something, they got a pretty good chance that they're all bringing bears back. Yeah, it's nice to know like, hey, this is when we're coming back. Either tell me what I need to do, like you could prep, get them frozen, cause or like, hey, we're coming back this day. Can we drop them off as soon as we get back or whatnot? That's helpful for sure. <laughs> yeah. So if you're planning on getting something that you want. To turn into a trophy, make sure you, yeah. you reach out to yeah, <laughs> especially if if you've never had anything done before, really know much about it. Yeah, what's the help? what's the uh, oh yeah? Because then you can give them advice, right? Yeah. If you do yeah. get it, make sure you pack it and it's cold and dry. Yeah, you know, all the things we talked yeah. about. Um, what uh, what's your your what's your year looking like this year? Are you are you you ready and ramped and ready to, to tackle. Cause we're about, it's, it's beginning of November, mm-hmm. which in this area is right That's, about the time things start ticking up. Right. Yeah. Every, deers are going deers. <laughs> the deer are going to the processing places and all yep. that. Like this is, um, this is the high time. Yeah. It's going to really kick off here probably this week. Oh. So if, um, looking forward, what do, uh, how can people find you? Where can, uh, wh- what's the best way for people to give you more business than you can handle? <laughs> um, I'm on Facebook, Wild Legends Taxidermy. Um, calling me is the best thing, except for the next two days, I probably won't have a phone because I just broke it, but, um, my number is 419 and you can pretty much call me about any time. Just try to be respectful. <laughs> Don't call you at two o'clock in the morning, right? Yeah. <laughs> Leave a voicemail if not. Yeah, it's um, and you know, you we I know you mentioned earlier that you're about to be a, a father of four instead yep. of three. Yep. So the all the things all at the same time. Yep. Yeah, it's gonna be. A wild couple weeks here coming up. <laughs> yeah, this is the 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 worst time of year. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> but uh, at the same time, um, I can't help but maybe I'm just too optimistic about this. Is maybe it, the best time, right? Uh, right. Flooded with all the good things. Yeah. Yep. For sure. For sure. Well, I, uh, you know, Aaron, I really appreciate you coming on. Thank um, you. I. 
could probably think of, you know, plenty more questions to ask right. you about taxidermy. Uh, but it's, it's a super, it's, it's a really neat craft and art form that I, I think, I think it's starting to come back. Not, maybe not necessarily the art form, but the, what surrounds that art form, yeah. um, being able to, you know, bring ourselves and, and kind of going back to, you know, hunting and fishing and, and kind of what ties us into the actual environment and reality right. around us. So I think people like you are increasingly important yeah, f- to be around. Um, not only so people can, you know, hold on to those memories mm-hmm. um, and respect the, the process and in, in the animal that they've harvested. Um, but as a reminder to, to other people that don't, that aren't connected with this, you know, they go to the grocery store and, you know, pick up their, their pre-made hamburgers and patties. <laughs> right, right. Um, I like, Hey, I like pre-made patties because, you know, I don't have to make them and I can throw them on the grill, but still like understanding where those come from and being able to connect the meaningfulness behind all of that, I yeah. think is, is more important than ever. Um, so I applaud what you're doing Thank you. and, uh, any way we can help you out moving forward, you let us know. And, you know, if you're, you know, hurting for, for work, uh, we'll, we'll advertise it. And if you're not, we'll still advertise you and make sure that you <laughs> <laughs> and have too much work. Cause that's, that's the, the way you want to be right. Is, uh, too much of a good thing. Yeah. And I think you yeah. do. It's a pretty incredible thing that, um, I feel like I, I understand a lot of things. And I have no idea how you do what you do, <laughs> even after listening to it's, it. But it's, it's it's fascinating. Definitely a gift for sure. And I think uh, you appreciating that and and using it is is important. Yeah, and it's super cool to see it and to to be able to witness it. Thank you. Yeah, it's it's. I'm still. I still can't really believe I'm doing it for a career. Honestly, <laughs> it's pretty crazy, but. That's, that's the awesome part of it is, you, you know, we've talked to so many different people doing different things. And if you're enjoying what you're doing, like, I, I don't know what else to do to, to feel awesome for you. For right. That, because that's awesome to be yeah. able to end in a place where you can do what you want to do yeah. and, and you have passion for what you do. And that's, I really yeah. appreciate it. It is crazy. Like the first couple months, it still felt like every day I was like blowing work off. To work in my shop <laughs> now it's finally starting to like feel more normal i guess yeah. a little bit so yeah doing what you do and have passion for it i appreciate yeah. it yeah it's it's pretty sweet hell yeah well thanks for coming on aaron thank you um, very much. i appreciate your time and uh we'll have to catch up maybe once you start you know do more baboons or something. You right. got something crazy you want to come and hang out and show us. I, uh, you're more than well, more than welcome. Anytime. I got some bears in this year. So, Oh, okay. Well, I'm, um, I'm for the first time in the last couple of years, like I said, I, I'm a bow hunter. That's what I like in my heart. Um, but I am going down to West Virginia to rifle hunt for the first time ever. Oh, nice. Um, and I guess that they, they can stack them up down there. Um, I'll uh, I'll fill the freezer if nothing else. Uh huh. And then I've never shot a gun at a deer. Like I said, really? I've, I've gone out with the gun plenty of times, but I've never gone out with a rifle because Ohio we can't use rifles. Right? Yeah. Um. So it'll be interesting. But if I uh, 
if I happen to come across a, a mounter, um, I'm not afraid. So I'll have to, I'll give you a call as soon as I can yeah. if I do. Yeah, that'd <laughs> so, be sweet. Yeah. That would be sweet. Awesome. Well, hey, keep us posted. Keep a, keep on feeding the, uh, the work in the, so we can watch you to grow and do what you're doing. And I really appreciate it. All right. Thank you very Thanks much. Man. Thank you for joining us today. Remember, check out the website, chronic-curiosity.com to join us at the forum, have some fun interaction, pick you up a comfy t-shirt, or if you just want to support the show and donate, all that is on the website as well. Thank you. Until next time. See you.